Welcome to Safety FM, where we talk about safety that's truly inspired by you. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. This is Jay Allen. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They are consultants that will help you get to the safety culture that you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. And on the line right now, we have Steve Sisson. He is a director of safety and has been a director of safety for multiple companies. And he's agreed today to come on to the show and we're going to torture him a little bit. And I will bring this up right away and want to make reference to it. Uh, Steve Sisson has been what my boss in a previous arrangement that we had. And I have to tell you, he has had one of the largest impacts in my safety career. Um, when I look at a lot of the things that I have done career wise, I really do owe it to Mr. Sisson um, in regards of the knowledge base that he was able to give to me and really bring me into the direction that has become my career as of late. First off, I wanted to say thank you for that and really wanted to make sure that people are aware on how big of an impact you've had on me. So number one, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jay. So, so as we start today, I want to just go ahead and really just go over some information in regards of your safety background and really just having some detail and just asking some questions that as an audience that we can listen to. And then as a director of safety, that we can actually have these conversations with somebody who's a seasoned professional and really be able to understand, you know, the mindset of the directors. And, you know, when you get into these board level that some of us might not have been involved with or don't even have access to. As we go, I'm just going to torture you with some questions and you go ahead and let me know what to your best of ability, what we can do with them. So the first question that I have for you, what caused you to want to be involved in the safety industry in the first place? Well, I started safety Gosh, it's a, it makes me sound old, but uh, probably 25, maybe about 25 years ago. And it was really by accident. I was a uh, warehouse manager and uh, was tasked with uh, making sure all OSHA standards were up to up to speed and all of our training was done. So that was kind of my, my first introduction to safety. And at, at that point, it really, uh, it kind of resonated with me a bit because I, I really enjoyed making sure that my employees were safe every day. It's, it's just one of those things that that's grown uh, throughout the years from operations and handling safety to moving directly into safety and then moving up to the director's position, making sure that, uh, you know, I can pass along as much knowledge and training as possible. Now, was this something that was actually offered to you to do this or was this something that was assigned like a punishment project? Because I've spoken to some people in the past where they're like, ah, it's kind of a punishment and that's how I got involved in safety in the first place. Or is this something you were interested in? Well, it, it, it initially was something that was just tasked with the warehouse manager. You know, we didn't have safety professionals working for us. We were a small operation. So, you know, the smaller you are, the more hats you wear. Um, I, uh, I joined the company and uh, shortly after that, they started sending me to some OSHA training and just making sure that um, I was training my associates with all of the OSHA regulations that needed to be followed for our, for our area. So I wouldn't necessarily say it was a punishment. It was just an added duty, you know, and, and from that, moving on to other companies, it kind of followed suit. Every time that I got a new position, safety kind of followed. When you started getting involved with these different companies and safety started to follow and you were doing these things related to safety, why did you decide to go, I guess, full force into safety and kind of really just shutting off the operation side? Well, you know, it actually happened by accident, but I enjoy it. 
I, I really enjoyed the way it happened. I was hired with a, co a local company here just as a safety manager. And uh, I moved into that role really because I was looking for something a little bit different and I had a bit of a safety background and it was something moving into transportation. And as, as that position came available, the director of operations position opened up. So with my operational background and my safety background, I again wore both hats, but in this case, it was a little bit opposite. I was a safety manager first, and then I got the director of ops position, which uh, at the same time held the safety position. Once that I moved on from that company, you know, I got a good foundation in safety, and I really liked it. I really liked the safety aspect. I liked the training aspect to make sure that the employees knew what they did, they had to do to be safe. And then with the next company I followed, it was specifically safety. It was, I went in to that job for safety alone. So, you know, just the, the whole idea intrigued me of, you know, being able to create programs, being able to create policy, to assist with operations, and to make sure that, you know, we're following all the regulations, all the, all the laws and everything that kind of falls under the realm of safety. So let's kind of unpack that answer for, for a moment here, if you don't mind. When you went in from the aspect of being in operations and then all of a sudden now you're doing safety, how many years are we, is the transitional piece on that before you do the operations director job and the safety manager? We're probably talking five to six years where I was operations and safety and then I moved from the safety to operations piece. And then uh, after that, I went in. So we're, we're looking at probably about seven, eight years from the warehouse position into a full-fledged safety position. And so then when you have the multiple hats on there where you're doing safety and you're doing operations, it's kind of hard to do both. I mean, at least from the experience that I've had in the past and talking to other people in, within the industry, how do you set the precedence? How do you go, this one's going to outrank this because I know I still need to operate and I still need to be safe. How do you, being the one person, you can't really have, because you can have an internal conversation, but how does that actually work in the long run? Oh, I, I'll tell you, Jay, that, that was probably the easier decision. Our easier position to be in is coming from operations and then going into safety and then having both because you always know that safety took precedence over the operation. If there was a legitimate safety uh, hazard or a legitimate uh, safety concern out there, you never wanted to put an employee. And, and, and just to put it into perspective, my, my positions in safety, what we're talking about now, had to do with public transportation. So I'm not dealing with, I wasn't dealing with just, you know, a truckload of product. I was dealing with people. So if you had an unsafe driver, you had an unsafe vehicle, there was, it wasn't just your driver's life in jeopardy and the general public. You're also dealing with a uh, bus full of people. For me, it was a very easy decision. If there was a safety concern, operations stopped until it was fixed. As that occurs, how do you get that mind frame and change from being operationally driven to safety driven? Did you have like a safety influence that made this occur? You know, I've had quite a few safety influences in my life. You know, a lot of VPs of safety, directors of safety, where, you know, they, they would give me tips and ideas of how to work with operations and, and work as operations in the safety field. And really a lot of it came down to preparation you know, prepping your people, prepping your equipment, making sure everything was uh, standardized and done properly the first time. So when you got to that position of a safety issue where you didn't want to send somebody out or you didn't want to send a vehicle out, you took care of the problem uh, right right away. As you were able to transition to that, I, at least it sounds like you had a lot of people that were influencing you and helped you get to that particular point. 
as an industry, what do you think a lot of our misconceptions are from the standpoint of a safety person looking at operations? Because being as you've been able to play both roles or even operations looking at safety. Oh, by and far, it's the us against them mentality. Safety is there to impede in my operation and operations. That That's how operations sometimes sees it. Safety is, you know, in, in some cases, trying to kind of the, be, be the master of all. And, you know, I, I have ultimate authority, which, which in reality, if you have a good safety culture, the operation, safety team, HR, maintenance, everybody has a good cohesive uh, working environment and they understand each other's needs. And if you, if you build that environment, you build that culture, um, you can have a very successful operation with getting away from the us versus them mentality, which, which I think is essential in any industry. Within an industry that, let's say, for instance, does not have a safety culture in place, or let's even use the word culture, how do you implement the little items to get that safety culture or culture to change and shift for everybody to kind of see eye to eye? In my opinion, it's communication. It's communication at the senior levels to make sure that, you know, we, we all got a common goal. Whatever the product, if you're delivering a product, you're delivering people, if you're manufacturing goods, the common goal is to get the product out there, make sure that goods and services are provided, but at the same time, not jeopardize your employee safety because ultimately your employees are what drives the business. It's not the safety manager or the ops manager. It's the employees being safe, doing what they need to, going home to their family every single day. Well, I was recently speaking to someone and they referenced that we need to start looking at safety more as a value opposed to a safety work first communication or referencing safety management systems or referencing safety culture. And it just needs to be all combined into one. Do you look at that as or looking at safety as a value as something that can be incorporated within a company? Absolutely. I, I agree 100 percent with that. Safety as a value is something that it needs to be it needs to be adopted by the senior management team perforate throughout the whole organization and that's down to your frontline supervisors and and, and the employees um, themselves make sure everybody understands that this is a this is a team team effort all the way through and there's a lot of references as of late in regards of these two different concepts that a lot of people like to talk about related to safety. They use the concept of behavior-based safety and then they talk about this other one called human organizational performance. Do you believe in one concept over another? No, I think it's an intermix between the two. I, I really do. I, I think you need to take all the tools that are out there in the safety field and, and try, I'm not saying find a way to make them work, but find a way, uh, find the method that works in your organization. And, and it can be done both ways, I believe. How would somebody who has no safety experience or has a culture within their company that has nothing related to safety, how would you incorporate these programs of behavior-based safety or human organizational performance? Well, the, the, easy, the easiest one, in my opinion, is the behavioral-based safety because it's, it's, it's a lot more um, um, observable. It's something that you're actively doing. I mean, they, they both are, but in this case, you're observing the behaviors that are being uh, displayed by your employees and you're making the corrections as you see them. And, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, there's the observation itself. Um, there's the coaching, the training, in some cases, the discipline, if necessary. But the behavioral base is really trying to identify where your risks are based on your observations and how you uh, address those is extremely important. If you were going to give an answer or definition to the word safety, what would your definition be? The most simplest one I've ever heard is freedom from risk. 
you know, if, you, if their risk doesn't exist, you're generally safe. Now, can you remove uh, can you remove every risk in, imaginable? No. So there's got to be that level of acceptable risk on you know our day-to-day activities. Now that's that's to include. Uh, being at work and being at home, you know, every day we take risks, but we we do that mental judgment and we do it thousands of times a day on risk versus reward or, you know, is this an acceptable risk to me? And we'll be back with our interview with Steve Sisson here on Safety FM. Join the fun, Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM. Hello. You have asked for it. Todd Conklin. Todd Conklin. coming. The interview with Todd Conklin from the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. On July 24th, be one of the first to hear the Todd Conklin interview here on Safety FM. Safety FM. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Insights into your safety culture with Dr. Tim Ludwig on Safety FM. Jay Allen. Jay Allen on Safety FM. And we are back here with Steve Sisson on Safety FM. Feel that in, as in a workplace currently, we have enough, I guess, survivable risk, as you put it. In our workplace that it would be okay to roll out a behavior-based safety and not a human organizational performance and believe me i'm not trying to push one over the other i just always like to ask those questions to have a better understanding i i think it, it depends on the industry and, and it depends on the where you're currently in your safety journey in within that industry I, you know i i think there's a lot that can be said about both so i i think it, you know I, ideally yes you can push behavioral-based safety um i i tend to to go tend to lean that way a little bit because it's more well, I don't want to say it's more personable, but you, you get to work one on one with the employees a little bit closer. Now, do you feel the behavior based safety would tie in easy to safety management systems? Or do you feel that that would not really be able to coincide or could they even coincide together? I, I think they can coincide very well. Actually, your behavior based safety is a lot. It, it is policy driven and it is it is driven by past performance. And by having safety management systems, I believe that's setting standards and adhering to those standards based on how they're designed and how the employee interacts with them. When you tie in the whole aspect now that they're rolling out ISO 45001, better better really saying is that ISO 45001 is already out. Could you tie this in well because it already has structure built into it into a management system? I believe so. Yes. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's just a document of guidelines of what needs to be in place to be certified. But for your safety management system, there's really no certification 
you know, definitely it, there is now with the ISO 25001. But I, I think they can work hand in hand. I do. So as an industry, what concepts do you believe that we have that are incorrect? You know, I, I think if you dissected each one of them, you would you would find uh, something that you can consider incorrect on each. Um, but I, I really don't uh, have a good answer on that one. What do, you, what do you feel has been your largest contribution to the safety industry? My largest contribution is development of people, I believe. Uh, there, there are a lot of people that I have worked with throughout the years in, in operations and in safety, um, primarily in safety though, um, where they have gone on to do great things. And, you know, I'm only one person and I can really push and I can really, you know, give some good policies, work with groups, uh, and create all kinds of good stuff. But I'm, again, still one person. But throughout my years in safety, I think by, you know, giving people the amount of knowledge I have, um, gives them a little bit of the boost to, you know, go seek knowledge elsewhere, you know, get the safety bug and and want to keep moving forward. So I, I would say that developing people is by far one of my favorite things to do. And it's probably one of the biggest uh, contributions I've given to the safety field. Well, I, I will agree with you. I will tell you that with working with you for a period of time, you have helped me out significantly. I will tell you the people that I have worked with, they always reference you in regards of how big of an influence um, you have been on there. So I, I agree with your answer right there 100%. Not that I disagreed with any of the other answers. I just want to make sure that, that, I'm, that I'm very clear on that. Do organizations have it right when it comes to safety in your general belief? No. And what do you uh, That's a loaded question. I know, it's, I know it's a loaded question, but what do you believe that they have wrong? And I'm talking about just general. I'm not saying specific. I'm not saying, you know, industrial safety. I'm not saying transportation safety. I'm just trying to say, what are we looking at? I mean, what do we have wrong? What are our misconceptions that we have as, a, as an organization overall that we think, hey, this is going to work and maybe it doesn't work? You know, I think one of the big things that a lot of companies struggle with uh, when it comes to, comes to this is we put... 90% of our resources to our frontline employees um, when it comes to training and development. And, and one of the most important roles in organizations are our supervisors, our frontline supervisors who are out there day to day with the employees. Um, we tend to not give them either the same amount of training or more training. So I, I would have to say in that, in that question, I think that is one where I've seen a lot of companies I wouldn't say fail, I would say would have an opportunity for enhancements. That's interesting that you bring that up. We, we had an episode a few, a few back that we were discussing the importance of supervisors within the industry. And I think that that's where we fail as an, as an industry just in general is how much time we need to put into the supervisors. They're able to control the flow of information within an organization. Now, keep in mind, whatever upper management tells them, they're able to tell to the line level employees and vice versa, whatever the line level employees, they're able to tell them to upper management. So I think that there needs to be a lot of focus when it comes to the supervisors out in the field or just supervisors in general, because we tend to say, oh, they're just there to help the employees in regards of just verifying what they're doing, opposed to investing a lot of time, not realizing how much control they have within our organization. Completely agree. 
So in closing here, I just want to know what exactly do you feel is the most important thing that as a safety professional we could do to help boost the industry? I will tell you, I was at American Society of Safety Professionals a few weeks back and they referenced that we have an older demographic within the safety industry. So if you were trying to lure younger people, the millennials to come into the safety industry, how would you approach that? Well, I, I think I would, I would approach it with the simple fact that a cohesive business unit Safety is part of the cohesive business unit within an organization. And although safety is not typically running the operations, they're there to help assist and direct the safety aspects of the business and be able to show them not only what kind of impact they have personally with the employees, but there's also many other impacts, you know, with the general public, safety of general public, also the, the, the very relevant financial aspect to it. You know, safety is, is seen as something that is a, a, a loss loser or a, a loss leader, I suppose. You know, you've got to spend money in safety, but it can have a huge value, especially on the bottom line when it comes to the reduction of injuries, the reduction of accidents. And, and to entice millennials, it is, a, it is a creative field. It is a field that you need to be extremely creative so you get new, fresh content. Um, you're coming up with new ideas, working with new technologies. And, and I think, you know, and even in my experience now, we're working with millennials and, and these individuals uh, coming aboard are extremely smart. They see things differently than we do. And I think that's needed in industry because we need to keep evolving. We need to keep changing things, bringing in some of those technologies that we may not think about. And I think it's, it's uh, something that's going to be a work in progress. And uh, your comment about uh, the aging workforce, especially in the safety field. Well, unfortunately for me, I'm starting to fall into that era, but I'm, I'm trying to work with all of the millennials or anybody and, and give them as much information I can. And if I don't have the information, find a way for them to get it. Just like going to ASSP meetings and learning uh, topics as you just mentioned. And, and that's the fun part, because I really think that if, if we don't involve this as an industry, we're going to have people that are going to come in from different, I guess, different walks of life is the way to really put it and really go into this industry right now. I will tell you, there was a discussion that was ha being had that 185,000 safety professionals will be retiring within the next five years. Now, the funny part was, as they were reading this particular report, the report was four years old. So I looked at it and I was like, hmm, this means that we have a whole new workforce that is coming in. I appreciate you giving us that answer. Now, is there anything else that you would like to discuss with the audience? No, I, I just uh, appreciate the time of, to be able to, to speak with you. And I, I'm here as a resource as always. Well, Mr. Sisson, I really do appreciate your time. And thank you for everything that you've done for, for the safety industry and for my career. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for being here on Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. SafetyFM.com with Jay Allen. Changing safety cultures, one broadcast and one podcast at a time.